If you had to name your kid a white name, what name would you pick? Ava. Kyle. Uh, Hunter. What is happening? Man, I was very excited to do this podcast. That answer just went in so many different directions. Yes, sir. Shamir, I didn't hear the um, name you said. What was it? Kyle. Kyle? Isle? Kyle. Oh, I heard Isle, like Isle Grocery Store. That's a cool one, too, but that's unique. Yeah. That sounds cool. <laughs> Isle. No, but Kyle. Kyle is a great answer. Why? Having a Kyle. Because, like, Kyle is so chill. Have it's you ever chill, met a- but it's a super tool, too. It's super toolish. Mm-hmm. No, I think there's other names that could go for a tool, but a Kyle, I've never met a Kyle that's not chill. <laughs> With long hair. Think, yeah. <laughs> they usually have they're just so chill. Like I love a Kyle. I Kyles are the Kyle. greatest. Would you Surfer pick dude. Ava? Yeah, I picked Ava. Amber, you're gonna name your kid that anyways. <laughs> it's like that's probably a name that you like. You're like, okay, my kid's gonna be Ava. Okay, I, go a lot of why. a lot of the names that I have picked out are very like short and I I feel like Ava could be a Daisy name, so I'm just gonna don't fight me on that. I'm just gonna leave it there. You could have said Amber. That's <laughs> <laughs> But I don't wanna name my kid Amber. Yeah. Um Frost, I don't no offense, um, but Hunter seems like one of those names that when the parent wants to give the kid like an original name, they go for like Hunter or like Carson or like um hold on, hold on, Well, I'm not a white parent, so I can't speak on it, but Isaiah. that's exactly what I was thinking. That's exactly what I was. No, I'm just kidding. I think Hunter is like just a just like wow, like cool name, like Hunter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I always thought that that was a cool name. True. And I would th- I would sometimes think about that. You know, like what mm. if I was a hunter? Frost what if hunter I on mirror. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for tuning into an episode of Strange Flavors. My name is Shimmer. I'm Frost. My name is Amber. And this is brought to you by Olive Theory. You can email us or send us your music at strangeflavorspodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to let your friends know about this podcast, you can find us on Apple Music, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and anywhere else. You tell them. Your podcast. Yeah. Right now. I'm, so, oh. I'm telling them to tell their yeah. friends. Tell your friends right now. Mm-hmm. And tell them that you can also watch this podcast on YouTube and see this wonderful background. And see me pick my Samir nails. painted himself. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say I painted it because we did talk about stealing art, and I'm not stealing art this episode. So I did not steal this. This is from a wonderful painter that I do not know. I did not steal painted. this. I did not steal this. You can go on Google Images and type "art background," and you'll get this. True. But yes, be sure to art like, background. comment, and subscribe on our YouTube. Um, this is very this is... toned down background for you versus usually Shamir. Facts, and. If you'd like to follow us or like us on social media, you can find us anywhere on social media at Strange Flavors. And if you would like to support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help run this podcast. Keep it going. Keep the podcast Keep going. going. Support Guys, it. Like a treadmill. The only thing keeping us going right now is Shamir and his dirty work on the streets. Okay. So we want to get Shamir off the streets. No, no, that's not true. That's true because look at his name. It says his name is Shakan D's nuts. <laughs> There's also a second that's a street thing. name. There's also a second thing that's running this podcast. It's our executive producer. Wow. Bobber Bagel. Are we giving him Bobber the title? Bobber Bagel. Bobber Bagel. We appreciate you so much. On the real, Bobber Bagel is supporting this podcast, and that's why you should too. Uh, I he mean, is. 
I also but, don't want to undermine the people that are listening to this podcast because you are also running yeah. this podcast. Yeah, Just absolutely. Listening. For sure. You're not balling out like Bob or Bagel. Yeah, Bob yeah. or Bagel. We appreciate Owner of you. Bagel Works. <laughs> he owns that, right? No. Don't don't I be throwing, don't be putting up uh, I like to spread false information. Yeah, there we know. Don't say that, bro. They were, yeah, 150 <laughs> episodes of Spotlight. Everything on the last 100 and whatever episodes, 112 episodes, has all been lies that I've been telling. Okay. Also, you know, I, I like when you guys talk to us, comment on the videos. You guys have been awesome at that on YouTube and everything, on our social medias. And we haven't read emails for a while, so I think today would be a good day to read some emails from some of our amazing listeners mm. so let's okay let's let's kick off with uh this amazing supporter uh, medina medina has sent us an email it says hi my name is medina and i am from harco uh which you guys don't know about <laughs> well, i don't know why i said it like <laughs> that. I, was gonna say, I don't think people know what harco is uh she said my family and i love your videos and podcasts and really enjoy all of your fantastic creations they make me smile and i can always count on your channel to make me laugh thank you so much medina and she says uh, I cannot express enough how grateful I am for the work you guys put out there. When you guys announced that you will be doing types of people during Ramadan 3, we made sure that no one had seen it so we can all see it together at Iftar. Oh my wow. god, that melts my heart. That's exactly how my family watches Shimmer's vlogs. We have <laughs> yeah. to all be together and watch it and then either cringe all together or cry together or laugh. And uh, And the best thing about... That is when his when his voice goes up an octave, just like at the intro of this podcast. It's, it's when you know <laughs> hey, that guys. Shamir is the most excited. Um, okay, so she wanted to give a shout out to her family. So shout out to Medina, Abdullah, Nasiba, Sasha, Sarni, and their beautiful mother. I love the Aww. name Sasha. <laughs> we love all the na- I like all the names, and I, I like mean, I, I do, like but like Medina and her so, beautiful like, family. Fierce. I knew you were gonna, that was such like a stereotypical <laughs> thing to say. You just ruined it. Barbara Bagel has left again. <laughs> He's left. <laughs> Barbara, we finally, please don't we leave. finally got him to produce this episode. He produce. was here. Yeah, yeah, he's producing it. Wow. And then and then now he's <laughs> Barbara, gone again. Barbara, please don't leave. Barbara Bagel, I'm gonna hit you up again after this podcast so you can support it again. Yeah. Jeez. All right, who wants to read the next email? I'll read the next email. It's <laughs> from. Right. Make sure the octave is one higher so then we know you're excited. It is from the amazing Soban. Soban is 16 and he has said that you've all inspired me in some way. Aww. I've been watching Ronald Poem for two years and it's just a part of me now. I've also been listening slash watching the podcast a lot and it just allows me to listen to you guys speak from your heart mm. and to motivate not just me but other fans around the world. You guys just have a great sense of humor, and I feel like it's something that we have in common. Being Pakistani means a lot to me, knowing that I have people like you guys that I can look up to. Wow. And so there's sweet. more that he wrote. Thank you very much. <laughs> and thank you, Saban. We appreciate you. We have, right, guys. We have another email. Um, this Let's is from Sakina. She said, hey, y'all, I love listening to your podcast. I have no clue how I tumbled upon this treasure, but I'm thankful I did. She went on to tell us a little bit about herself. We really appreciate you guys doing that. Um, but there was something in particular I hear <laughs> that I saw. She's, <laughs> I'm getting there. She You're said, not going to read any of what she wrote <laughs> and just go to something that you want to I'm about Critique? to read the part. No, I'm telling right. you, she basically told us about herself, how she lives um, in a, she's a Pakistani Canadian and, you Oh, know, now I see, okay. 
Okay. She said, in your recent podcast where Amber was announcing that she was going to Hawaii trip, Amber mentions about flowers. I was thinking, cutting flowers is not eco-friendly. Why not give a person a plant slash flower pot? It reduces your carbon footprint, and also you'll be more careful with the planet because someone who cares about it gave it to you. And more for the earth. What do you guys think? And also she went on to say, you know, she... uh wrote this a few times and is appreciative we're appreciative of you sakina but i also yeah. have a wait bone so to pick wait with so you. like just hold on so you said that you cut flowers so in that podcast or just giving flowers in general remember that valentine's day podcast where i said that yeah. um my friend basically was looking forward to flowers and didn't get flowers essentially and okay. so she's addressing that saying that we shouldn't be cutting flowers but sis sorry to break it to you but every valentine's day that's just the case. However, I do agree with you to a certain extent. When it comes to Mother's Day, I always get my mom and my sister-in-law's potted flowers. But I'm not going to lie. Like, sun Wait, so like like a dozen roses you get, like, that's bad? She's saying that, like, you're cutting them off. Like, you have to cut the flowers in order to make it into a bouquet to sell it, uh-huh. to then buy it. Um, she's saying that we should have, like, potted flowers. What's the difference? Potted flowers continue to live and, like, you know will grow but don't but flowers die anyways right no yeah, they don't they die. die if and you don't cut back. them off no but uh, don't they they don't grow back well they don't grow back if you cut them off so the rose just stays there for like years what in the potted plant if you don't no, cut it no the rose it, just it stays blooms there for years. every year and then the petals fall off that's how flowers work and bro the, and then it blooms again you know what you know what happens in the fall right? but when you cut it i mean yeah when you cut but, like, it it's never gonna stay bloom there. again the next year so they stay there the leap but I thought it's only if you like them. pull it out of the root, not like if you just cut it. I thought it just like grows back. If you cut think, it, it does grow know. back. But she's saying that we should be encouraging people to have potted flowers. So you can reuse the rose every year, basically. No, like, it like just stays there. no, it just keeps growing in that pot. Yeah, and then you but can it, re- it redo there. it, right, right. Instead of having it be cut off. However, I didn't think about that. When you cut off flowers, new ones grow in its place true but i'm just saying like if if it was me like (laughs) i would like to have clipped sunflowers are biodegradable this is also very true so what's the issue (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there's an issue what's the issue i don't see an issue now i'm sure there's an issue if she's like she says why not write back an email wait how is it reducing carbon footprint We'll have to, we're not, we're not botanists. Oh, I know. Okay. It's the energy from, you know, getting scissors and the physical energy that the toxins you're releasing Does that release body. a carbon footprint onto the world? Because you're Manual labor? Manual you don't labor. release a carbon footprint. You do, small ones. But, but we you do? Re- I thought. Yeah, carbon dioxide. Yeah, but that's, if you're around. Yeah, but that's not what carbon footprint is, guys. That is, that is. What? You guys don't know how carbon footprints work? We all release gases. Cows, cars, no, but ca- people. But, I know, but, but manual like, ca- labor isn't going to leave a carbon footprint, right? Isn't that like electricity? Humans, and, like, le- humans leave carbon footprints. No, they like, release... But like when you, when car- you say like, what is your carbon footprint? It accounts for everything that you consume and use too. Facts. So it's not just like, oh, I ate this many cows. So then like... Also, if you're listening, if please I'm not don't use that us much for carbon- a science reference. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> We know nothing. Listen, Sakina, what are you doing? You <laughs> like caused this. this. The, my point is that this is the smallest thing to like 
for a carbon footprint. You should sure. tell us to not drive. You should tell us to not have our electricity on. Another point not that we could flowers. say is that also sometimes we're transporting. When you pot a flower, sometimes they put them in plastic pots. That is also adding to something. Don't know what exactly it is, but plastic. Bad for the environment, save the turtles, bad for the whales. Let's move on. I'm not going to lie. I I was not following much of that. And I think that uh, some things are just hard to pay attention to. I just think that if I, on Valentine's Day, want some clipped sunflowers, like, it's cool. I just I just got a message from our executive producer, Bob Bagel, and he said, <laughs> no more discussing <laughs> econ- uh, Topics environmental Topics you guys don't know impact. about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he said, we appreciate he said you, Sakina, carbon- regardless. He yes. said, "He said I will lower the carbon footprint of this podcast, <laughs> but stop supporting <laughs> it." Okay, um, let's introduce our guest because this guest is extremely exciting, and um, we've been wanting her on for a while. I'm so excited for this guest, and she's amazing. And we were finally able to do this because of the virtual COVID situation. Um, so, without further ado, the stranger today is a popular artist who goes by the name Emin John. She uses inspiration from her cultural roots to connect with her fans and explore her own identity. She talks to us today about the highs and the lows of social media, how it impacts her mental health, her personal life, and much more. So everybody, please welcome Emin Emma. How are you feeling, Emin? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling Are you tired? Full. Is this too late for you? <laughs> no, I'm so full. Like, I don't think I could sleep for another, like, two hours. Really? I, if I get really full, I get, like, KO'd. I think Ramadan's like, I wanna... different for me. There's, like, a... Like, a... Like you a get energy. Spot. No, I just... I'm just uncomfortable. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a True. difference between, like, getting energy and being like, all right, now I can stay up again and I can actually do work. Like, Shamir, that's what you were just talking about the video you just dropped today, which yeah. you were like, I can't, like, really function as well when I'm yeah. hungry. But yeah. some people, they're just, like, mad tired immediately after. Like, when it's without Ramadan, if I eat a lot, I KO. But rum- during Ramadan, it's flipped. Like, when I eat, I get a lot of energy because I didn't have mm-hmm. energy before. Can mm-hmm. you guys eat a lot for iftar? Because... Relatively. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like eating days, this I can't. It okay. slowly goes down. Like in the first day, I'm like Thanksgiving, and then at this point, it's like a sip of water. One date, that's it. (laughs) One date, some water, some fruit. Also, like usually, I want like fruit separately than like other food. But now it's like if I eat the fruit, it's over. Like that's all I need. Mm. So it's weird. It was opposite for me. For what? For like how full I would get. The first couple days, I'd be like, okay, date water, fruit, fruit. That's it. Yeah. And now my like stomach has slowly expanded its capacity. Oh wow! <laughs> You're probably like one of those people that are like eating um, greasy food and then is getting larger throughout Ramzan and rather than. Smaller. Oh my god! <laughs> no, that's what happens. <laughs> Be nice to our guests. I'm just saying what do happens you, to people. Do you that was, guys, I'm not like uh, judging. <laughs> you told her she's getting fat throughout Ramzan. No, I didn't say but she you, are is. Are you guys like? Are you guys like snacking from Iftar to Sari? 
No, I don't snack. I just have a I'm meal in between. I, I'm a snack person because I crave different stuff throughout the day. And then it's in my head. And then I'm like, I no longer want it as soon as I open my fast. But then I'm like, no, I need to because I need to fulfill whatever craving I was having earlier. So then I like eat some chocolate and like ice cream, some chips, some... I had I had the weirdest um, thing for Sahur the other day. I had like salsa and chips, <laughs> and then bo- and then boiled eggs, and then a peanut Whoa. butter and a peanut butter and honey sandwich, and dipped that in milk. It was Wait, amazing. Wait, the peanut butter and honey sandwich sounds good. Are you pregnant? You, 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 <laughs> you dipped. Remember some how bread I was saying those people they get bigger? I'm that person. I was talking from self experience. Your stomach's probably like, what's going on in here? Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's. Sorry, go ahead. Let's 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 talk to the guest today. So, (laughs) obviously, we got Em and Emma in the building today, aka Em and John. Em and um, you have uh, art's been really good to you recently. Um, in the in the last few years that we've been following you, um, you're extremely popular amongst the South Asian community, and even got the attention of Riz Ahmed, which was dope. Um, so how has, how have you taken all of that in so far, like up until this point? It's been kind of a roller coaster because obviously you have the highs, but inevitably there's going to be lows. You reach a peak and then you plateau and you're like, well, like what happened to my follower account, you know? And then what's so your, your somewhere in there, your followers are going down. What do you mean? Like I mean, like I had a period of time where I was gaining a lot of momentum mm. and then you peaked. I just, I peaked. <laughs> and I just felt I didn't feel motivated anymore. And so like you then, were like used to getting so many followers on a consistent basis, and then yeah. it was like less you, you think, followers it, being gained. You think is it the art or the algorithm of Instagram? I think it's the art personally because the period of time where I kind of peaked and then I started losing followers is when I wasn't making much art at all. I mean, I just started my masters, and then I just felt really disconnected with the stuff that I was making so I didn't feel like making anything at all um and in that time I really had to learn the balance between like striving for followers versus striving for like being content with yourself because Mm. that the follower account is not going to be able to give you that kind of content that you have the like I don't want to say complacency but um yeah content that you have with you with yourself it's like that um, boost of, you know, immediate validation. gratification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just hits. Hey, listen, if you ever want to, like, talk about that kind of stuff, just hit us up because we peak every other week. And then <laughs> that we, and then we come every week. And then we flop. <laughs> <laughs> we are constantly peakers and floppers. <laughs> we don't know anything about algorithms or any of that. We go you on every should, social like, media and we are the biggest floppers you, and the biggest peakers. It also has to do with, like, what's your... Channel putting out at the time too because Emin you're, you're doing like at sometimes you'll be having like these really big projects that you're either a part of or putting out or collaborating with those are probably the times where you're you know have the most momentum and then probably in the times where you're like creating the art and not you know a part of like a bigger project that's when the either you're losing it or you know plateauing yeah it's kind of like when an artist puts out an album they take that time and they work on the project and you don't really hear much about them and then they put the album out and then you have press tours and you have co- like uh just tours in general um and then that's when you get the momentum so it's mm. it's like you for me i had uh this tell them i am project 
Last year, it took like two, two, two-ish months to get all the portraits Which, done. It's that podcast, right? Yeah, that podcast. That last year, this year it's just like all IGTVs. Right. Um, but last year it took like two months to get that project done. In that two months, I wasn't making anything else because all my time was devoted to that. Hmm. Um, and that's like when people don't see you putting work out, then it's not being shared, then it's not being um, circulated, and that's not when you are being exposed and getting that following. So hmm. it, it kind of is like a wave. It comes and it goes. Um, and then when it when it hits like that really long dry spell when there's not much momentum within yourself and within your following, um, like when those two things meet and you're not actively working towards something, then that's when like you have to really understand how it's impacting your mental health and where are you putting your value, or at, mm-hmm. at least where am I putting my value? So I, I'm guessing it does affect you a lot when it comes to like follower count and you know likes and stuff. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it took a lot of time for me to learn how to separate certain things. Um, And especially because I have only been doing this for like two years. There's not much you can learn in two years, and there's still a lot that I'm learning. Um, So, yeah, it, it just, it really depends. Yeah. How did, how did the Riz Emma thing even happen? Um... So the f- I made a portrait of him a long, long time ago. It was probably yeah. one of the, one of the more earlier things in like the first five or six posts that I've ever posted. Um, and I DM'd it to him like, "Yo, I made you a portrait. Hope you like it." I didn't ask him to repost it or anything. He thought it was dope. He followed me, um, and then he asked me to email his assistant to for him to possibly like get a print of it. His assistant never emailed back. I never mm-hmm. got like anything, any um, response or anything from that. And then maybe a year or so later, after I put out my sweatshirts, and then a month after that, I saw him wearing it in his stories. And like I went through the orders and I'm like, where is his name? Oh, and his name yeah. isn't in there. So someone else probably ordered it for him, but he mm. ended up with it. That's um, did he tag you? He eventually tagged me. The first time he posted, he didn't yeah. tag me, but then but people were asking you, him. How did you mm-hmm. see that? My, I, I mean, like, you see people's stories when yeah, you yeah. follow them. And then yeah. my cousin DM'd it to me, and that was the first time I saw it. How did you feel? Was, like, your response? I was like, okay. That's, like, I first was thinking, like, I don't remember him ordering one. <laughs> yeah. um, like, how did he Did he make it, it himself? Did he boot, like, his bootleg <laughs> version? <laughs> Do I have to, like, call a lawyer? Um, yeah. I was just like, how did he get it? And then I, w- I put that aside. I put that thought aside in my mind. And I'm like, I actually enjoyed it, um, and I felt really. It wasn't the fact that he, him, a big person, was wearing it, and I was getting exposure. It was more so like him, a big person who was respected, actually liked something that I put out sure. enough to wear it out, you know? Mm. Um, because I just I don't want to see myself as like a clout chaser i want to eventually become someone as an equal you know like a peer someone people can take seriously and work with and collaborate with um so well nobody i don't think anybody would see that as a clout thing like you said with riz it's just like he stands for something you know and when somebody on that level you know stands for something it could have been him Hassan minaj whoever it would have been respected because uh, they wouldn't just wear whatever if it had been, you know, anybody else, I'm not gonna like name somebody, but like anybody in the South Asian community that is 
popular and just wears whatever, you know, it could be seen that way. But obviously, like you said, you know, it, it is that factor of like what he stands for. Yeah, and it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be a clout thing, but on a certain level, when it comes to representation, you have the representatives and then the people who are trying to get to that level are going to utilize mm. their attention in some way to become recognized. Sure. That's mm-hmm. how you gain a following when someone shares your work to their audience. Mm. And then eventually you hope that some of their audience will come and follow you too. Yeah. So like clout chasing in a way is a tool. It just depends on how you use it mm. and how much value you put on it. If that's the only thing that you're going for and that's the only way you're thinking of growing, then it can become problematic and you mm. don't end up being original or making stuff that is you and you're just making portraits of other people. Um, so there, there is an element to it. You just have to, like, at least for me, I had to navigate like, how much do I feel comfortable utilizing someone else's face um, to like gain some sort of attention, if in this, that makes sense. In this age of cloud chasing, like how do you do that when you're like, you're not as outspoken as a lot of other people? Like, how do you do that in this age? I think, at least for me, I, I like I said before, you have, I put it in my mind where I don't want to be someone who's like asking someone to repost something or um, constantly like harass, harassing them or DMing them about like, oh, I'd love for you to check out my work, blah, blah, blah. Um, just kind of putting it out there and treating it as like a business collaboration because I feel like in some ways you, you have to respect yourself enough to see yourself as a business person, to see yourself as a peer or a fellow collaborator, a fellow creator, and not just someone who's trying to make it up at the top, if that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's mad scary when you're dealing with somebody who is at that level. And like with us, for example, sometimes an opportunity comes where it is somebody who's like, you know, this could be that type of opportunity that that person could bring me to. Not even that like it's, oh, yeah, my name would be attached to this person. But it's just like it, it doesn't even have to be a celebrity or something. But just when you see an opportunity and then like what you were saying, when that assistant didn't hit you back or something, it's such a roller coaster of emotions that you're just like you're waiting and then it's like, is this, and every single time, at least for like, for me, I'll always think like, is this like that big breakthrough? Mm-hmm. And then if it falls through, it's just like, when the first time it happens, it's like devastating, but then you like bounce back, you restart, you do it again. And then, you know, with artists in general, it's just like, that's a constant sort of relationship you have with it. Yeah. Um, what are some of those like, you know, those things that you go through as an artist when it comes to you talked about like mental health earlier but like what's some of those things that really deeply affect you um well for one thing i think i had to learn not to take it personally um because you are not the only person that that person's going to interact with in the day you're not the only email you're not the only dm Mm -hmm. ishaq when i first met him his like one of his first pieces of advice was just like continuously email them email them back follow up just like be annoying in a sense because they probably forgot that your email was there they probably they saw it but they probably just forgot to respond um don't take it personally because people are busy you like i myself will see an email and i'll forget to respond for a day or two and so i just have to remind myself like if they're okay with waiting then i'm sure enough okay with waiting for someone's response um but when it gets to a point where like opportunities are lost or um yeah, when opportunities are lost and you kind of think like, oh, well, maybe I wasn't good enough in their eyes, 
to get onto that project or maybe that's they found how someone I, I better. always feel that way always. yeah and it's just like that's another thing like I, I wish in some circumstances I was taken more seriously, mm-hmm. um, especially as a woman. People, I've been, I don't want to say I've been taken advantage of, but people will pay me less because I'm a woman. I don't have like technical art training. I didn't go to a university for it. Uh, I just sit in my room on my iPad and make stuff. Like, mm. it's just, you, you kind of grapple with that idea of like, are you letting them tell you how much you're worth? Or are you going to like portray yourself as how much you're worth to the other person? Um, and I, that's one of the things I kind of learned through like going to therapy is understanding that other people's perceptions and their the way that you come off is all going to be generated from within. You have to have that. You have to like build that confidence and that magnetism that pe- that makes people want to take you seriously. Um, that you want to be outspoken enough that you fight for the job that you want. So like some, I was like talking to one of my best friends in Ann Arbor and she was like, oh, I just DM um, like brands on Instagram and like tell them that I want to work with them. And it's always been the other way. Like people will come to me and ask me to work with them. And then maybe I'll sit around for like a month and I'm like, why hasn't anyone hit my line yet? Mm. And then I just realized like I could be asking people to work with me and like to kind of swallow your pride, but also like hold yourself to a standard. Is that what it is? Is it, is it pride or is it um, like fear of something? Fear. Yeah. I think it's a mix of both because I mean, human emotions are so complex. Everything is going to be like a little, little little spice here and there, you know, Um, fear that, the person that brand's eventually going to say no but then you kind of you know like suck it up and go to the next one mm. um and you have to also keep in mind that maybe that brand doesn't have the budget maybe that brand already had a campaign um like lined up that they don't need another one for um so you just kind of have to like shoot your shot and people's dms and see which one sticks yeah you mentioned um the therapy thing i don't know if you want to go into this at all but um mm-hmm. Is that, you know, um, when when did something like that start? Does that, has that been for a while? And um, like, how has- Is it art related? Yeah, is it art related? <laughs> Where did it come from? So um, I, I, went, I went to my first counseling appointment like four years ago, um, like a little, like a couple of years after my grandpa died, just because I wasn't processing emotions properly. Hmm. Um, and, I waited so long that it kind of made my like university experience not the best as it could have been and I didn't want to waste any more time and it was just like one or two sessions and it wasn't a professional or anything and that helped me immensely understand someone like someone telling me that everything is going to be fine mm-hmm. um, and then I felt like I had a pretty good head on my shoulders for a couple of years after that. And then when I shifted to Ann Arbor for my master's, I was having so many thoughts of like imposter syndrome, not feeling like I was mm-hmm. adequate enough for these jobs, not feeling confident to ask for the price that I wanted to be paid at, not feeling like I belonged in my master's because of all the illustration stuff, but also feeling like I didn't belong in illustration because I was doing a public health master's. And also on top of that, not feeling like I deserved to be at my master's, univer- like my the university I was doing my master's in, because everyone there is like immensely smart. Um, people are like 
have years of experience working in the healthcare field and I'm just like out of college, you know, just trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Mm. And um, kind of got to a point where I knew I wasn't enjoying myself as much as I could have. I knew I didn't see myself as enough as I could have saw myself. Um, and so I think I started going consistently in like January, February, once a week. Um, and it helped me a lot. Like even if we're not talking, so like we do some meditations, we kind of like reflect. You have like a trusted person that you go to? Yeah, yeah. She okay. she was like walking distance. It worked out oh, pretty wow. perfectly. Was it like trial and um, error or first shows good? I really couldn't, I didn't have many options, mostly because a lot of people were booked. Secondly, because Ann Arbor has a very wealthy population, mm -hmm. so a lot of them were expensive. And third, because I didn't have a car, I needed to find someone walking distance. So, oh, so a lot of times people will say like, oh, you can just, you know, talk to a friend, this and that. Like, what difference did you feel like speaking to a professional than it was, you know, speaking to a person that you already know? like, Or even your parents or something. Or, yeah. Well, first of all, like my parents are great, but I don't feel like I'm ever comfortable enough to open up to them about these things or even even with friends. Um, sometimes they're just like, you'll be fine. And then they want to talk about the next best thing. Mm. Um, there's no one. I feel like when you go to professional, that hour is just for you. And you know that you're you're like their priorities aren't anywhere else except for you. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest differences when it comes to like counseling and therapy is that you are the subject um, of discussion. And I think also friends and family don't normally have it all together. I'm not saying therapists also have it, also don't have, or also have it all together, but like they are better equipped to understand how your emotions are interacting. And it's not so much them telling you, it's them posing questions and you kind of finding it yourself. So like, for example, I can say, I was upset over this today. And then she'll ask like, why? Why were you upset over this? What caused it? Have you been upset like this before? And you kind of work your way back and you see like, why was I triggered? When have I felt like this before? Um, when I get like this, what usually helps? And then you eventually get down to the root cause, whether it be like insecurity or um, like feeling like people are going to leave you or like whatever, like whatever the topic may be. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that would be like the second biggest difference is they, they really know how to communicate in terms of emotions. Also, um, I don't know about your parents, but like in a South Asian household, my if I said, I'm going through this problem. My mom would be like, drink this milk with some fresh <laughs> badam in it and you'll be fine. I'll go there. <laughs> Eat badams so. and pass your exams and that's it. D does, yeah. does therapy, um, has that kind of like circled around your like parents, family, friends and has that like stigma? Oh, like the community reaction? The com yeah, is mm. there some sort of community reaction? Um, well, I haven't really been in it for too long. And I also haven't really advertised. I feel like this is the first time I've really advertised that, Oops, hey, sorry. I'm Strange flavors exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> John and therapy. Um, so yeah, this is probably the first time I've ever really talked about it. But hmm. I'm not, like, afraid to talk about it because That's I think dope. it's very important to normalize it in a way that it's okay. Encourage it, of yeah. course. 
um, like, I went to my first counseling session without telling my parents. Um, I told them eventually, like, a couple of weeks after, and I was expecting kind of a negative reaction, but I actually got a positive one. Um, and so it made me feel confident enough to seek therapy, like, professionally and completely this time. Um, and I'm, like, interested to see how, like, extended family would react if they found out. But I also think maybe it's none of their business, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe it's just a part of the, part of me that they don't really need to know about at this time and place. Mm. Um, so I don't know if I'll, like, advertise it more, but... Yeah. You know, you, you know, you could have also opened up doors by even existing, right? And, and taking that action on yourself. I know, like, there's been tons of... Uh, times in my family were like my sister she she's in that field right she does the, mm -hmm. um mental health rehabilitation and stuff and there's people that have come to her with problems that she was just like whoa i didn't know that like this person was going through this and it's just because people are so desperately sometimes needing that help and they have no one else to go to mm -hmm. and then for you like you know it might be a cousin or, or someone who who comes up later in the next generation where they're just like oh, that person did this, I could trust to go to them and then maybe they could point me to the right direction. So you yeah, know, that's that's very brave of you, very honest of you and like just inspiring in general. Actually, it, like I wasn't the first one in my family to actually get therapy. Oh, wow. So wow. I'm the byproduct of what, you, what you, you just like explained. And so it makes me really happy to know that I have people that I love that are actively getting the help that they need. Mm -hmm. And it also makes me very hopeful that this can be the new standard of acceptance in a way that where it's okay to seek help outside of religion or outside of your parents. And it's not a bad thing. Um, mm -hmm. And then in a way, I mean, like therapy has also kind of deepened my relationship with my religion. So instead of praying more to help my whatever's going on in my mind I'm dealing with whatever's going on in my mind to help me pray more so it kind of comes full circle at least in my story mm -hmm. and so I mean it's just a way to balance yeah balance your entire life with uh, therapy and like understanding your emotions has that like impacted your art and has it made it better or yeah definitely um I was explaining to, I was talking to my therapist and we were talking about, I had like, I woke up at like three o'clock one morning, just really randomly. And then like inside me, I had this really big urge to like rebrand and not like completely, but just really stop doing what I didn't want to do because people liked it and do things that I liked and that I thought would be like work that I would personally consume. Um, because the stuff that I was making earlier, I liked it. But it, like, if I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw art like that, like that exact piece, I probably wouldn't think twice. Um, and I think it, I set a goal for myself to make work that I personally would purchase as a print or want to have as a lock screen or whatever. Um, and so I guess just building that confidence that comes as a byproduct of going to therapy consistently I'm able to feel a lot more comfortable shifting without fearing like a loss in following or fearing 
um, oh, you've changed. I don't like your work anymore. You're too political. You're too this. You're too that. Like, not being so comfortable in what was working and being more comfortable in what I wanted to do. Well, a lot of um, what you make is South Asian inspired art. Um, I heard you talking about this on another interview where you mentioned that, you know, it was a lot of stuff that was just in general along the theme of the diaspora of the subcontinent. Um, and then you kind of started shifting towards more Pakistani and, and Muslim elements of, of uh, you know, your work. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, is your South Asian identity um, something that you've always been comfortable with and how has that changed over time? I think I've always been comfortable with it. I mean, I was that kid in middle school who wore a shalwar kameez on Halloween. <laughs> this is in Michigan? Yes, wow. in Michigan. Um, I mean, my middle school was pretty small, though. But Was it diverse? I've always... I was the only brown person, but mm -hmm. I was also in a school of majority African-American um, okay. like kids. And yeah, I mean, I, in general, I've always kind of been immersed in my culture, but then there's also a lot of things that I've yet to learn. And whatever I learn is what I slowly introduce into my work. So it's not really a representation of Pakistani culture, but it's a representation of what I'm actively learning, sure. whether it be like, the structure of a Gawali or a Sufi poem or how certain textiles are made or like different like amazing stories and legends um, that I've heard about but never really like understood or learned because you, you hear things and it's just part of like the background noise of your culture but then you rarely ever really like learn about it and sit mm -hmm. down and try to understand why it was shared why it was made um, and so that's kind of what I've been trying to do a little more uh, that's kind of how I'm becoming a little like more immersed in my culture, a little more like before I would be shy about posting work and then having family see it because I didn't feel like I was Pakistani enough to be making that kind of work. And then I realized like, no, I mean, this is how I'm going to learn about my culture. This is how I'm going to show um, my appreciation or my understanding. And I feel less shy about the work that I'm making now. Um, if like family was to find it or someone was to actively ask me every single detail. Um, yeah. So I'm guessing you're not like afraid to stay in that like brown culture, I guess, like online and stuff. No, I'm not afraid because it's what I know best yeah. and it's what I understand best. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't think, I mean, maybe I would want to explore a little more like Islamic work or maybe explore a little like go more political with like women's rights but it always is going to have that element because that's just like an intersection i can't get rid of yeah um i want to ask you what do you think the line is between um you know paying respect to your culture and exploiting it because i think uh when when you talk about you know the the work that you uh, that you scroll through on instagram and you see some of that stuff and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I would have necessarily been a fan of this or, you know, been stopped at or whatever. And over the years, I think we've seen you, like I definitely saw the rebranding, right? Like where your stuff in the beginning seems like what a lot of people are currently on the trend of. So I saw you do it first. Um, and I, like, I'm not saying that you were the first, but <laughs> I saw, you know, you doing that kind of stuff first, whether it be like remaking 
Drake into these, you know, South Asian garments and whatever it might be. And then now just being more sort of like niche and specific into like, oh, this is Emin's work. Um, so taking that into consideration, what's the difference between exploiting it and paying respect to it? I personally don't think you can exploit your own culture unless it's coming from an ingenuine place and we would never really know unless the artist told us. Um, I think the journey that I went on is a really, it's an effective one if you're trying to like get into what you want to make because you're starting off very large and wide and then you're narrowing down onto what you liked and what stuck mm. with you. Um, so like this, like the pop arty, um, like line work and simple colors and like that type of work that I started off with was simple enough for me to kind of get the ball rolling and it was simple enough for me to take thoughts and just put them onto paper literally and then over time when I didn't feel so comfortable in that complacency and I moved on and I evolved that's when like this like this niche lens kind of evolved into Mm. and so it sounds like you were learning. That's yeah, what it's I'm all a learning you process. You were just learning. And if, if there was anything in part of that, because I know with like me especially, you know, I, I'm on a similar sort of journey where it's just like, yeah, like I, I am from Pakistan. This is my culture, whatever. Like I don't know anything else. But at the same time, the stuff that I'm putting out for, I guess, the Western world may be just amateur enough so that someone may co- see it and be like, yo, that's not our culture you're and because like we get that a lot right like you're Mm -hmm. uh you're making fun of it you're exploiting it blah 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 and then later on you know learning trying these things out and then coming to a place where you're just more skilled with it and you're able to you know grow and and put out work that people would actually understand as as being like oh he actually understands his culture now rather than just like he knows his culture but is just putting out in whatever else he knows if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't say that, I, I don't know, because there's so many different ways you can express and utilize sure. and learn about your culture. And comedy is definitely one of them because it's a way to kind of bridge, or like when people are laughing and yeah. they're having a good time and they're watching something that they can relate to, that's how you build connections. And um, that's how you're able to just kind of light lighten people's hearts you know um you're not i don't know i don't know how to explain it but that's kind well, of for what us i, I mean like yeah. on the comedy thing real quick like we've always said this where you know the, the comedy thing is has always been from a place where it's just like yeah you see us you know dressing up and doing this and that for it but at the same time this is really our real lives and mm-hmm. our parents are our fans number one fans and it's really like that and like my experience has always been that from a very young age I've been obsessed with Eminem and the and the thing that I learned from him that was super valuable early on M-M-M. was <laughs> a pun on pun on her name. Um, no, no, you just said it really funny. I did, like M N M N M. Oh my bad. Um, but yeah, like he like in Eight Mile, right? Like the final battle scene is where he just puts every joke on himself and he's and that is his reality he's not lying about any of it but the other guy didn't have anything to say back to him because he's like what am i supposed to say now he owned up to everything but at the same time he's dope at what he's doing 
And so like that's something I've always kind of learned and carried on as far as like people getting made fun of for their identity in any ways. Like, you know what, this thing is a part of me and I'm the one that's gonna put it out there, make fun of it and take that pressure off of me. Take that like, mm -hmm. you know, not be self-conscious with it and all that. So that's, that's how I've always felt about comedy. But like, I know that in art, and, and in what you do, it's it's probably there's some similar elements of, of like, you know, let's let's learn about what this culture is and put it in a way that people can respect it and I can totally own it. Mm -hmm. I think it all comes down to like, what kind of things are you portraying? Are you doing the same old joke mm. that like Lily Singh or, or Just Rain or whoever did and kind of like beating the dead horse? Or are you like expanding and showing to the different kinds because i feel like with you guys your skits are really different in a way where it's not the same old motifs or the same old jokes um and especially when it comes like I mean, I mean we had like doom bros but pakistani and like muslim intersection type of life like seeing that kind of lifestyle portrayed is something that i haven't really seen until wow. i like saw you guys such honor um <laughs> yeah, no, we appreciate that. but back to you <laughs> um now i want to ask you about this too uh so like shamir had mentioned like you're you're a little bit more reserved than everybody else that we see especially in the art world um i i think like with the stuff that i see put out there um you know people kind of the best way i can say it is uh pc as in like very overly supportive and stuff and like sometimes that to me is uncomfortable <laughs> as anything and so i'm like all right i don't want to i don't want to like i'll be friends but i don't want to just keep are you saying putting stuff on my are you saying like, like support just to like support yeah like, even I, if I you was, don't like it yeah like okay for example emin and i were a part of this like art thing recently right and uh -oh. what the pass the brush thing. why you guys why you guys think i'm always trying to like stir up something you are I'm asking a genuine you're, you're, you're quite literally <laughs> no referring I'm, to this exact group boy listen no no because i like all those people i respect all those people right but and emin's been a part of like a few of those i think um it's like just that one. don't rush challenge just one <laughs> no you were part, you i saw you in another one. Oh. so that was additional just one. Oh, so two total yeah, two total. <laughs> okay, so, so what I'm saying is like all those people are dope, right? But for me, like the whole, you know, like, oh my God, you're so incredible. Everybody's so much better than me. Like I personally know that I'm like at the bottom on, on that one when it comes to like art and stuff. Okay. No, no, I, I'm not dumb. Like, but I, but I know that my concepts and stuff, I can personally like be confident in like the stuff that I come up with, it's all like I'm doing in a certain way that I am being authentic with whatever. So I don't need anybody to tell me that like, oh my God, like you're this great, whatever, whatever. Do you ever feel that like people in online and stuff, especially like the support thing is, is too much? I don't know. Do you think you could be ever be too supportive of other people? Is that the question here? <laughs> I mean, there's like Fake, a line not, where it can get creepy, but like not that. But like, sometimes it feels disingenuous. Are you, disingenuous. Are you saying like forced mm. and fake? Like when you you know people that like share everybody, and then it's like, wait, do you even have good taste? That and like <laughs> when they just put the fire emojis like on every post. 
Like, that's it. Wait, Amber, you yeah. said something, but I didn't quite get it. Um, I said, does it come, like, is it, sometimes it come across as, like, forced and fake. That, mm. like, you, like, I like it because you made it and because you're an artist and I support you because you are creative and are an artist, but not because they actually are, like, finding, like, true value and, like, a personal collection. Con- Maybe Emin doesn't get it because she's, like, no, no, at the top. I think I, I can't. <laughs> Okay. You're a top tier. There's like two channels that I see when it comes to like online creatives. One where it's you're supporting people as like a business and a creative in general. And then the other is when you're supporting work that you actually like. Hmm. And I think a lot of people want to channel the, the former because they want to have that same like love reciprocated. But then there's also the fact of the matter that you want to be able to promote creativity you want even if you don't like what Mm -hmm. the person's putting out if they're being creative at least with me if they're being creative then that's a a win in my book um because it's helped me and i know it can help a lot of people if they just try and kind of believe in themselves Mm -hmm. um i mean at least with me i really only repost work that i personally would consume or like um or if i know that that person spent a lot of time and effort into the piece and I kind of like even if I don't like it I want other people to see it to see the kind of like effort it like it needed to be able to create that thing Hmm. um it does get uncomfortable sometimes when people overly share because you do it's not because I know that they're being disingenuous it's because you kind of doubt their motives in Hmm. that way um but then at the end of the day, I think it comes down to like just kind of accepting the share or accepting the compliment. Um, because even if their intention was wrong, you're still getting a compliment. <laughs> like it's sure. still nice to hear it. It's still kind of uplifting. And then it's also really uplifting to give it to. I mean, at least with me, mm-hmm. I feel I feel good when I'm helping someone or complimenting them mm. or like giving a gift that's that's my love language. Um but I yeah, think I, even that person who might not like fully connect with it is still coming from a good place and good intentions. Like mm-hmm. even if they're not fully connecting with whatever it is that you created, the idea is that they're like, I support you for being, you know, you and doing this and whatever. Mm-hmm. So it it might just uh sometimes it seems a lot because there's just so much in the same platforms now that it's overwhelming and it might seem fake but i think you can usually tell when the person comes from a good place or if maybe they're doing it for personal gain or whatever i think that's what i'm saying i feel like you can usually sense um like what the vibe is yeah no Mm -hmm. i think both of you said like it head on like that's that's what it is i think everybody's doing what they think is best I think that the frustrating part sometimes is that like, you know, especially when you're not doing as much as somebody else's, that becomes kind of overwhelming because I'm somebody who like really, really is passionate about, you know, especially like my friends works and stuff and people that I follow and like really and like Em and I see that you will, you know, support other people just by like getting their stuff like you will be wearing, you know your your friends and people that you support their actual like things that they're making because I was you like, like just it. about to wear your t-shirt <laughs> but uh, it's that, really wrinkly. I would have been like Emin's fake 
<laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like, yeah, I mean, like when I talk to certain friends, right? People's names are coming up in conversation regardless. Like I could have never shared a thing that you posted, but like we both know and understand your like line of work. And that's rather than like, oh, this guy keeps or this girl keeps sharing um, this person's work over and over and over again. And so it's, it's like, do I have to be at that level too to show that I'm also being supportive? I don't think you have to. I think it's yeah. it's really up to the person. But I also think when people are giving you that those shares and those compliments, it's to, I feel like you should just kind of take it as motivation to keep going. Sure. Like you said, you don't you don't feel like you're at the cer- a certain level as all those other people in that video were, and I feel like those people were giving you that motivation for you to keep you to keep like doing whatever you submitted, you know, mm-hmm. because it turned out good and you can do more. Um, when people over overshare, it, I think it's just also can come down to um, motivating someone into feeling confident in their work so they they produce more yeah and, and, sh- and shout out like, to suhena and everybody in that because yeah. they're like mm-hmm. honestly yeah. they're, they're dope people um speaking and it's just kind of like putting back putting back the love in the community um and yeah. supporting each other the, w- the way that's best with this platform yeah hmm. speaking of like sharing and stuff has your work been stolen has it been reposted for their own personal gain is it frustrating i haven't had work's been stolen um, people, re- I think just the nature of certain pages will repost, just like pages that just repost and that's their content. Um, it gets frustrating when they don't credit, they don't credit or they um, just don't ask in the first place if they can repost because, I mean, I get it, you're a page that's supposed to promote different artists and this and that, but it also is like that is your content. And your content is completely comprised of other people's work, and I think, I think pages need to be a little more aware of the courtesy of asking to repost something versus just screenshotting it and posting it and thinking that the person whose work you just repost is going to be thankful. Right. Um, I had this why, one. Why does why would that bother an artist or specifically you? Well, from specifically me because I can't really speak to other artists' experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like me as a as a personal I don't know it's just I don't like the idea of someone taking it and putting it on their page without me knowing mm-hmm. and I guess it's like kind of a respect thing like if you respect me as an artist you would ask me first but all it's these hard work yeah exactly it's like I put all this work in it and you are posting it and it's inevitably a way for them to gain a following too um and if they utilize that advantage without my permission um then that's when it kind of gets frustrating um i was gonna say something but i think i had this one experience go ahead sorry yeah sorry um i had this one experience where i made this animation of this like girl crying i mean they're all girls crying but this one specific animation of this one specific girl crying and it was taken it was modified a little bit and it was um posted on this page and the message was very clear about um bringing awareness to like domestic abuse and i didn't want them to take it down because the message was important and the the intention was important 
but I DM them and I'm like, hey, I know that you're a firm or whatever and you um, have good intentions with this post, but it, when it came down to it, you guys took it and you modified it and you posted it without my mm-hmm. permission. And like, I'm fine with it now because you like you obviously responded to me and you're open to communicating, but in the future, artists, a lot of people don't, don't really like it when that mm-hmm. happens. So even photographers, like mm-hmm. if, if a photographer, like, you know, if you work with them and then um, like they have a certain vision and then you want to post on your own stuff, but like you edit a bunch of stuff, like that's not something that they feel comfortable with because they had, you know, a vision mm-hmm. for you and that was, you know, theirs and you were almost a part of their um, like vision, whatever it is. Um, yeah. But then when you create it actually from scratch, I can see how that would be frustrating well, in that situation. Photo, though, like if if you're a part of the vision and you're the girl in the photo, nobody cares about the photo. People just want to <laughs> click on the girl's at and then like go follow her, and that's gotta suck for like yeah. photographers. I th- I think uh, we have the same issue. Like as you know, Rono Pono, like we our videos get taken all the time, but the huge mm. difference is like sometimes we don't care. Like obviously we want to be tagged, but we don't care because at, it's our face. It's our face. And mm-hmm. sometimes people don't see that at name that you did on that drawing you spent hours and hours on, but like our face is always on there. And yeah. Like our yeah. Brand for like artists still- and photographers, it has to be the worst because, okay, like they're gonna at at the end of the day, you're gonna see like with the messages or whatever. And there's so many artists and photographers that like mm-hmm. you don't know, like it's gonna be hard to tell that same thing that you're talking about. Like when you have a face, obviously you know like people are going to end up tagging us in it eventually or like people are going to be like oh yeah it's those guys whatever but like mm-hmm. with art and other like photography it's like mm-hmm. people do not recognize that immediately unless you are somebody who really supports that person's work yeah or mm-hmm. it like gets lost on blogs too like tumblr when that was thing like uh like people photographers like all their pictures would get leaked on it you would never know who took it mm-hmm. and pinterest all that i've had a few friends like who their entire wedding album was like just like <laughs> spilled across the internet and they never That's gave terrible. anybody permission for it and the photographer only put out a few sample pictures so there wasn't even watermarks so i i can definitely see how in those situations it could hit you even harder yeah it just all kind of boils down to respect respecting the artist and respecting the art mm. um and i mean when tumblr and pinterest kind of came out i feel like there weren't these kind of like set in stone social media like courtesy rules yeah. placed where it made it really difficult for people to be recognized and have the like deserved credit. Um, but now I think when once people are found a way to capitalize and um, be, create a business out of their page, that's when these kind of unwritten rules came into play. But then again, those rules are so different from person to person, mm-hmm. from like country to country, because the way people like share and repost in Pakistan is completely different from the way we do it in the US. Like the different standards people hold. And they're just that, they're just rules. To. They're not yeah. they're not breaking any laws by doing it. But I mean sometimes you, you can be breaking laws when it comes to like reproducing images on oh, right. deliverables, yeah. if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um but yeah, it's just they're they're just kind of rules. They're not gonna like throw you in jail if you repost a photo, but it's just yeah. it comes down to respect. Let's go into that a little bit about when it comes to like, you know, other people's work and everything. Um, 
like I saw a situation that recently unfolded regarding uh, somebody's work and uh, you know they thought that it was uh, pretty much traced right um, and so the question is like when it comes to art uh, what are your thoughts about um, you know taking something and copying it versus getting inspiration from it have you ever sort of seen that with um, and then properly know, crediting work. the inspiration mm -hmm. afterwards yeah so i mean those rules uh, themselves those rules themselves also differ from artist to artist and it differs mm. from people who've gone through university and studied it professionally versus people who are self-taught mm. um i think the general rule of thumb is that when it comes to like tracing or using uh like reference photos or like copying photos when you're drawing them um if it's for your personal learning and like your sketchbook you're not selling the images you're not sharing them as if they're your own then that's fine because that's how people learn people learn sure. by tracing and then like it's they're like kind of like training wheels and in, in my experience in my opinion um but when it comes to like selling it and posting it and not tagging people that's when like the respect thing comes into play like the composition the image the person's face all of that is someone else's and yeah you change the colors or you change the medium or you added or subtracted certain things but inevitably the subject matter is something and someone else's um i mean you can make the argument that i that some of my work isn't genuine because well yeah, yeah like, let's talk let's talk about your work Let's talk about like yeah. when you did the celebrity stuff. Like you sent it to Riz Emma, then like you had the the Drake and and um, Anik Khan and you know different celebrities that you were drawing and stuff. So what um, you know when you were doing it, what was the process like? And do you think that that process is counts as like an okay, um, depending on and on how you proceeded to like put that out into the world? Um, well, me now and me then, mm. I mean, me now would probably say that what I was doing back then wasn't the best. Um, I mean, I didn't think I was doing anything wrong and I, just, yeah. I don't think I did anything wrong because I tagged it and I definitely didn't like take credit for the person's face. And I mean, Redbubble copyright claims some stuff. So like the image of like Nick Jonas and Priyanka Chopra, which I wrote very much regret making um <laughs> like they took it down because it was using someone's likeness and that's kind mm. of how i understood like how using someone's likeness can be written into copyright law using somebody's likeness like their face the image like the mm. isn't that okay. so weird though because like there's so much art of celebrities that is 100 percent okay that is being sold and like it's there's an endless amount of that i don't know if that makes mm -hmm. it right but like you know what i mean like that's so, that's some of the first art that we all see like of on like, instagram like drawings of michael yeah. jordan post malone michael jackson whoever people, like yeah. people can make arguments when it comes to like power imbalance like if you draw drake and you sell the picture drake mm -hmm. has millions he's not losing money off of that picture mm -hmm. but if it's someone who's trying to make a living and their artwork is being replicated and sold that's that's a little mm -hmm. that's understandable but um, 
I guess it just it depends on the person. If that person feels fine using Drake's likeness in their image and selling that work, and no one's come with them, come at them with like a legal claim, yeah. Um, unless it's like the logo, which I'm, which is a little more understandable than the likeness. Right. Um, yeah, I can see that. Well, let's it's bring it down like from celebrities to like. Uh, I don't know, like influencers and, you know, YouTubers, just like people in that space and, you know, or, or even like fellow artists. How do you feel about that? It, I don't know. It's such a difficult situation and a difficult topic just because it's all still a new, like, industry. Territory, yeah. Um, You're not getting away with that with like, influencers. Yeah. There's no, like, if someone, if you draw someone on TikTok, they're 100% in getting every coin of like what you're doing. That's what Mm -hmm. she's saying is like, you know, Drake, he's not losing out, but with Mm -hmm. them, you know, they're going to want that money. Mm -hmm. Say Amber, someone drew you Mm -hmm. like that's a different story and they're making money. That's what, that's what I'm asking from her perspective. as Yeah. It comes down to monetization of the product. If Mm -hmm. I drew you and I didn't sell their product, you would probably be like, Oh, she drew me. That's great. Repost Mm -hmm. it. Respected tags. Respe- exactly. Right. But if I'm going to take your likeness and put on Redbubble or print it on a shirt and distribute it without giving you some cut of the money or mm-hmm. even asking Making you in the aware. first place right. and then creating an agreement, then that's where, mm-hmm. like, I would say, like, I'm wrong completely. Is this something that you think about now, especially when you're doing new work um, and, and you have, like, references or something? Um, when I first started off... I was using a lot more references as is. And now I'm taking references and just morphing them and morphing them again and then changing it again until it's something like original. Like I'll have a picture of a face to sketch, but then the sketch that that comes out does not look like the person at all. And Mm. that's just an original face that I can now use to implement as a like model in whatever piece I'm making. Um, so like, as I see these situations unfold, I myself learn and I, I myself understand how other people think and what other people count as respect and, um, just like good business manners. And that's, that's kind of how I evolve my work and try to become more and more original and less dependent on like Pinterest photos or Instagram photos or celebrity portraits in general. So, uh, sorry. So a lot of your art is like digital art. Um, like I see, we see your room and it's kind of like simple. It's not like crazy. It's not drawn out. Is that, is there a reason for that? Do you only like. This is also the guest room. Okay. So <laughs> I really. It's a, it's I a can great, it's a great room. But <laughs> like ever since Wait till the black down, light goes on. Guest. Like, like look at my background. Look at my background. It's crazy, you know, like. Uh, that's where I oh, put yeah, my art. The, I, I bet that's one hundred percent what your room yeah, looks this, like. Yeah, this this is what where I put my art. But is there like a reason you know? You <laughs> <laughs> um, when I moved back, I mean, I can kind of show. No, so I mean, this looks all simple. Yeah. But come on YouTube to see the room tour. <laughs> all of this is kind of a little more personalized. Oh, okay. And I brought all that back with me when I moved home for quarantine because. I just felt like, I mean, I wanted to feel motivated to work at home. And I feel motivated when I see other people's work. So I put it all up. And some of it will stay just because it does make the room look nice. But just as, like, to respect my parents' wishes, I keep it relatively plain. 
you um we see your digital art online is did you start from like you know by hand and like where did you kind of like begin that part of your life um well I took art classes in high school and middle school and that's where I learned like basics of painting basics of drawing and a lot of my early work is all pencil sketches and I feel the most comfortable using a pencil to paper. I don't think I have as much comfort with an iPad as I do with a pencil to paper. But um, over time, I had this large gap where I wasn't creating. And then the iPad came into my view as an actual tool for art creation. And I experimented with it. And that's just kind of how I built that. Sometimes I kind of regret not putting more pencil and paperwork on my feed because like if I started posting now people would be like oh what the hell is this who is this person and then realize it's me and they're like oh I, this is not what I signed up for but I feel more comfortable posting my pencil and paper on my like personal account on stories but I will keep my actual feed just like Instagram or not Instagram I'll keep my actual feed just like iPad like digital work how are you um balancing the uh, schooling with with the art stuff and like um, is there is there a time that you're just like wanting to give up the other I balanced it pretty poorly in my first year of my master's just because there was a lot of work and I wanted to spend my free time kind of getting to know the people in my cohort getting to spend time with my friends come home when I wanted to and not pressure myself too much and I mean I did lose a little bit of momentum because of that but I feel like now since I have all this time I'm utilizing it to kind of regain that momentum and I think that I'll be able to better balance it when I go back if I go back to um, my university I mean do you guys work and also film or are you in school and also film we just don't do anything. We're just <laughs> waste of life. <laughs> no, we like uh, we, we hustle, all have, we like, hustle side on the gigs. side. Yeah, we hustle. But we mm. try to put the creativity like, or at least me, uh, like forefront. I try to do whatever <laughs> to like support that. He's throwing yeah. shade. You guys aren't working hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um. Do you? I, I was gonna ask. Do you? Do you ever get lonely with that? Um, you know. Yes, all doing, the time. I mean, I live in a studio apartment by myself on campus and there are weekends where I don't leave my apartment at all yeah um and and then having a lonely hobby on top of that exactly I'll know like okay I have all this time and I want to draw but I'll know that even that means that I won't be I still won't be able to leave my apartment or I know that I have all this free time and I won't pick up my iPad and draw Mm. because I'm in that like lonely mindset yeah um and that's another reason why I went to therapy. Um, but yeah, it is definitely lonely. But I see like people on Instagram who will like do drawing dates to at a museum or will go out and drawing sit on a dates field at a and museum? just draw. Like, like you have a statue and you'll draw the statue. Why are you oh. laughing? Me? Yeah. I'm not laughing. You thought I was going to make fun of it? Yeah, I thought so. I knew, I knew it. I knew you thought that I was going to make fun of that. I was like, where and is I, this going? But and like, low-key... Low no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there are ways to make cute. it less... There are ways to make it less lonely. But um, yeah. 
you just have to have the, the person who's going to be up for that. Um, That's hard. That seems really like when people were saying in that group, like we should have drawing dates or whatever. I was like, how? I could not like that's something I need to be like like I can have stuff on TV movies listen to music podcast but like I don't know I mean it's just having someone there hmm. just like physically you also there. like live in a house okay. with people so you get enough social interaction like with human beings being around you whereas if you're completely lonely I'm sure that you wouldn't mind um you talking being about, like you're talking to me yeah, I'm talking about. Oh you. no, no, I no, I totally get. That's why I asked her. Like, that must be lonely. Yeah, I, so, I think that th yeah. then it would make more sense to be doing things like that, where you like mm. need to have some sort of social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's your plan um, after uh, you graduate? Do you have one, or when, especially when it comes to like balance, continuing to balance this thing? I think I would want to get a full time job relating to public health mm -hmm. and kind of dial down the amount of like paid work I do with illustration and just keep it more so like a passion project. Yeah. Um, that's my thinking now. It may change. It's just I'm scared of losing the fun aspect of creating because when you're constantly working to fulfill someone else's vision, mm -hmm. it you I at least me, I lose motivation in making stuff for myself because yeah you just have like a oh feeling and i'm not mm -hmm. saying like making work for other people is always going to be like annoying but you go through this long period of time where you're not making anything for yourself and you're going it's okay people are annoying edits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you go through edits after edits and critiques and change this change that and it's, it kind of gets exhausting um well so i, just I noticed that you that closed your own possible. online store as well mm -hmm. is there a reason for that it just COVID. <laughs> but uh, there's like um, other ways that like artists, you know, will throw all their um, like designs and stuff on websites that will print, do all that work for them. So you don't have to necessarily do any of it yourself. Is there a reason why you choose not to do that and put your artwork on there? I mean, I, I do. I use, I utilized Redbubble and Society6. Um, and the way I make my sweatshirts is like a drop shipping method. So I'm not actively like, embroidering things um it's like the same way like roots gear works now um and i think i just kind of felt guilty putting more mail into the system especially at least in michigan like our u.s postal system is completely overwhelmed that is so considerate that yeah. is very considerate I've never heard anybody say that. Yeah. People are like, we need to have more yeah. masks. People are ordering companies. <laughs> Amazon like every day now. Like, yeah. People are just going crazy. I'm even thinking about at, like having masks. Like, <laughs> I didn't even think about what that's doing. Yeah, I don't so, know. I just, I felt guilty. Yeah. And I mean, it, things are easing up a little bit, but I also, it also feels nice not having to have to like oversee one more thing. Yeah. during this time because you still have to like manually put in orders and f fill out addresses and customer service and all of that so just kind of taking one thing off the plate helped a lot with me not feeling overwhelmed in this time either yeah. what are you most looking forward to next anything in your life i would love to go get bubble tea <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're missing the most i love that i love that um I don't know. It's hard to think. 
about this type of stuff when the all the days yeah. are the same. No, well, that's um, a that's a sort of like beautiful, small, simple, little like simple yeah. thing. Like mm-hmm, someone might mm-hmm. be like, you know, trying to get married now, or like I mean, low key, low key. There's so many. I mean, there's so many weddings that got canceled. <laughs> like even some that we were supposed to go to, and I feel mm-hmm. bad for those people. That would yeah, that sucks. Be horrible, but no, like bubble tea. I mean, you you could get that now, but. You can make it. She doesn't um, want it to be part of the system. The bubbles are coming from a certain service that is just like my nanny. Could, my nanny is a very high risk individual, so I think uh, bubble oh. tea is off the table. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I saw people making it with like tapioca and tea themselves, so I might try that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, bubble tea, getting married. That's it. <laughs> um. <laughs> And anybody that you want to shout out, any friends or people that have sort of like helped you along the way in your, um, especially in like the, your art career? Um, well, my high school art teachers, I'll always shout them out because yeah. they're the sweetest, the nicest, the most supportive people who have kept in touch with me and Do they like see still, your stuff now? Yeah, like uh, my high school so art teacher follows me on Instagram. That's awesome. And she asked me to come back to my high school and talk to their kids about like how to create a career or how to like just motivate them that's so fire recognizing their culture and seeing how they can implement it yeah um my best friend Rabal he was the one who actually supported me in taking the first step towards getting counseling and I mean like I thought about it but I never really had that motivation because I didn't want to seem defective or broken um and he was just like, well, who cares? Like, this is for you. You need to be happy. And so, like, if if I just listened to myself, I wouldn't have done it. But if I listened, if I had listened to someone telling me to do it, then that's why I did it. Yeah. Um, and honestly, like, just everyone who follows me, they didn't have to, but they're there. And, and then yours, like, <laughs> it's... COVID wasn't a thing and you were right next to me, I would just give you the biggest hug because you are, <laughs> I don't know why, but you just seem like the coziest person. I am cozy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because they, they, they didn't really have to follow me. And there are so many people who are more deserving of a larger following than they have right now. And they, I like, I want to like scoop up some people and like give mm. it to them. Um but yeah, everyone who followed me, who stuck with me, who given me chances, and like with Tell Them I Am, Misha Yusuf, she didn't have to hire me, but she did. And those projects are by far my favorite on ones. And yeah, and featured me twice. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she saw some like some sort of potential in me that I didn't see myself, and that's she's the person who's motivated me to ask for more money, to be more confident in like what I'm bringing to the table because. Mm-hmm. People are coming to you for the for your work. You're not just. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. No, I gotta say, um, like, keep it one hundred percent. Like, I think your personality, along with your art, is what attracts people to you uh, and everything that you stand for the most. Your your sort of like humble approach, your authenticity, and everything. Like my sister, she's somebody who has always supported artists in general because she has you know me and my brother, and we sort of do our own thing. And so she always looks at the people that we admire, the people that are around us. And, you know, it's it's rare for her to be like, you know, I don't know about this person or 
to say like this person you need to keep and she's you're somebody that she constantly brings up that's just like she's really cool oh, she's like so i just sweet. i like her a lot i loved she's... meeting her when <laughs> we met in new york she was so sweet it's a vibe right like sometimes mm-hmm. you just know when somebody's like on the right track when people just like they're not worried about like oh let's make this connection like you're gonna help me i'm gonna help you and that's what i meant with that sort of more rigorous way that I said it earlier but like (laughs) just keeping it real and just being like you're gonna make it I know you are and like Mm -hmm. I'm glad that we can have this and we can learn from each other type of relationship rather than like you know I'm gonna destroy my competition it's not even like there's not competition when when you just feel like you're growing yourself all the time Mm -hmm. and like you're learning along the way and when you meet these cool people that, like that's the vibe that you have always given off and like you're somebody I admire for that and I think all of us Thank admire you. for that yeah, of you guys are also doing an amazing job because I think when it comes to like skits and like parody music videos and that stuff people may not see it as a viable route but I feel like the way you incorporate your parents in some of the behind the scenes and um just showing how a relationship with your parents can be okay when you're going this creative route mm-hmm. is a really good representation that's not really seen. Um, and I think, because people want to hide it. They want to keep it separate. They don't want to... Sometimes they have to. Sometimes they have to, but I think, at least in experience, I think when it comes to doing something that's outside of the norm, parents' reactions are mostly generated out of fear. And when you guys are showing that eventually you can get your parents to kind of open up and accept this creative side or this completely different side to you, that it over time it kind of builds that like resilience in somebody to keep at it. And then eventually your parent will like kind of soften up because I, I don't know, it's, it's really hard to say because I can't generalize. Like you yeah. said, it sometimes people have to hide it, but I think it's I, just I think that fear. there's I have lived that transition and I can agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's just fear. They they want to see you successful and they want to see you like have a job that brings money in and whatever. But when you show them that you can make money or you can make connections or you can make people happy and you can make yourself happy, over time they like their heart softens a little yeah. bit. You're using and the word good. fear and I always like to attach the word care with it because they care so much they don't want to yeah. see they're afraid of you going Mm -hmm. down a way that like they you know and and we have to be i always tell this to people that are like how did you do it and i want to do it and whatever it's like you have to be understanding that a lot of our parents came from a place where it was like they literally had nothing they built you know everything and spoiled you regardless of what you what situation you think you're in they spoiled Mm -hmm. you to be able to like have an opinion and have these choices that exist for you so the least that you could do is like get sort of like understand where they're coming meet them from halfway and meet them halfway yeah. do what they're like if they want you to go to school they want you to do something get a job and and show them that okay i'm gonna be all right then then do everything you can in your power to to make them happy and and repay them the slightest bit for all that you they've done for you definitely yeah. and then go ahead and like sh- prove to them that like what i'm doing is is gonna work out and i'm gonna work so hard at it that like it's gonna eventually pay off yeah it's kind of like a language gap in terms Mm. of expressing emotion because the way they express express emotion versus how we do it are completely different based on upbringing and generational gap and whatever so like that compromise is also an understanding of trying to see where they're coming from and see where you're coming at 
and just kind of like alter your message a bit so that both people can eventually communicate in the same language which is which like across the board is going to be love you want to love what you do you want to love what your parents have given you and love your parents in general your parents want to love you and they want to love that you're happy um so (laughs) i think i think um constantly like just not giving up in terms of creating more and more content and then also showing that your parents are a part of your journey gives a lot of people like up and coming creatives a lot of hope i would say yeah i mean where can people find you and uh anything that you're working on that they can look forward to or anything you want to leave them with um well you can find me on instagram which yes, is I how i li- run my life it's just emin john e-m-m-e-n-j-a-a-n LinkedIn and linkedin the bio in this bio right yeah, yeah. this is going on youtube <laughs> I'm, right? I'm just letting them know <laughs> okay um i deleted twitter so you can't find me there why and dang you were the dwight picture constant, yeah constant noise constant was it too noise. toxic yeah twitter is Twitter's toxic, my but favorite that's another, social media that's another there's the yeah, most you're creativity toxic. you're toxic no i'm not i'm not toxic <laughs> i like toxic like funny stuff but oh i just like toxicity i'm not toxic. no but not like okay. not like anyway malicious people <laughs> uh, what was the rest okay, of the she's question? not on twitter just anything you want to leave them with anything that they can look forward to from you or anything like that um don't put pressure on yourself when you're trying to create things because that's going to lead to your demise you want to be unbound just and eventually something will resonate with you and you can just follow that path and if that path runs dry or goes into a ditch or whatever you can go onto a different path and see see whatever you whatever it is that you want to explore within yourself i think you as a person is the best roadmap to figuring out what you love and what you are as a person it's all in you you just have to explore and figure it out where do you get these bars from you just yeah. like <laughs> You just you hang up free book? TED Talks. YouTube, <laughs> let us know. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you when I go to therapy and figure it out for myself. <laughs> um, so this is Strange Flavors. At the end of every podcast, we like to ask our guest one last question. Amber, would you like to ask that question? I'd love to. If you could describe yourself as any flavor, what would it be and why? I was thinking about this for a good day and a half, and I know <laughs> my answer. Ooh, I would be the non-dairy oh, no. <laughs> chocolate fudge ice cream from Ben and Jerry's. That okay. specific one. Why? Oh, you're like, lactose well, intolerant. Yeah, first. I remember I asking lactose. you about like about something. The Cheetos. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't eat Cheetos. Cheetos are That's Cheetos so cool. have cheese. What? Cheetos can't doesn't eat have cheese. real cheese. Yeah, I mean. I okay, can tell anyways, you exactly I'm how sorry. my body reacts. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I'm simple. I like being simple and classic. Um, and there are just like parts of me that you discover along the way that I am also discovering. So I feel like those are the bits of fudge in oh. the chocolate. <laughs> and that's my answer. That's an incredible answer. Wow. You are so incredibly cute. I mean, wow. Seriously, thank you for coming on here and yeah, being so open and honest and sharing mm-hmm. the things that you did. 
and I, I know that that's going to benefit people and they're going to learn a lot more about you. I know we were excited to have you on because you are a little bit more reserved and just you being so nice and open was like incredible. So thank, thank you, you guys for, for asking. I was waiting ever since I figured out that you guys did a podcast. I'm like checking my phone. Bro, you were like first, you were first on, on the list of people we wanted <laughs> to have, but we've but been doing it in person. So we were yeah. like, we wanted you in person. We would like drive to like, yeah michigan or something if we needed to get you eventually but like we were gonna get you yeah come on yeah and then well, one, okay it, we'll, we'll luckily covid this. gave us yeah. a chance to do like make virtual this the norm ones. yeah we'll yeah. redo this in person let's yes, do it of course but come i'm back. so happy that you come guys asked anytime. me to do this oh. <laughs> all right well we hope that you enjoyed this episode of strange flavors for everybody listening thank you for listening to another episode it's been another week another flavor a little less stranger we'll talk to you next time